0: Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And, you know, as we've been noting, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for the building up of the church. You see, looking back to verse 7, if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit, capital S, is given to each one for the profit of all. Now, I'm not a Greek scholar. You can get the books. You can do this yourself. But that word manifestation is exhibition. Exhibition. Now, if we're reading 12, 13, and 14, and we're going through the gifts... We're going to see certain things happen when we do a believers meeting, a Holy Spirit night, an afterglow, whatever you want to call it, where we allow the gifts to be used, according to 1 Corinthians 14, and we see how God wants to do things. But it's also, we've been learning that it can be 24-7 that God wants to use our gifts. It's not just within the walls of a church. Our gifts can be used in the workplace, in our neighborhood, um, just in a shopping mall at a store the holy spirit could say something to you and and wants you to use a certain gift it might be one time in your whole life maybe it may be multiple times but we have to be open to that working of the holy spirit which most christians are not most of us are not because we have our schedules we have our appointments we are time orientated myself included And so, even I, as I share, I'm not speaking down. I'm speaking with you that I need to be more flexible as well in the moving of the gifts. Because God does want to use all of us. No one is excluded. No one. He wants to use all of us. You see, as Christians, uh, and then when you follow that, that word to the root word, so manifestation means exhibition, but when you follow that word and you get into your Greek and you'll understand what I'm talking about, when you follow it back to the root word, it means. To shine. Isn't that interesting? To shine. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And then Jesus said, you are the light of the world. We're to shine. So as it gets darker, we're called to shine. You see, as Christians, we are to allow the Holy Spirit to shine or be placed on exhibition in our lives so that the church as well as the world might come to know that there is a God. Do you think anybody's wondering right now if there's a God? By the way, this... this, uh, mid-50s man was a husband have children young adults do you think they're questioning is there a God absolutely and that Jesus can be their Savior and when we look at our example of Christianity or when they look at our example of Christianity they should see Jesus and that's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians twelve eleven. if you look at verse 11 But one and the same Spirit works all these things. The same Holy Spirit. There is only one Holy Spirit. Distributing to each one. Notice that. Not distributing to the pastor. Distributing to the elders. Distributing to the deacons. Distributing to those who pray four hours a day. Which I, I don't. Maybe you'd have that time. Praise God. Do what God's called you to do. But don't look on other people. Don't look down on other people. Uh, Distributing to those who are in their Bible, hours on end, doesn't say that. There's no qualifications and there's no limitations except for ourselves. We limit God. We limit God. Distributing to each one individually as the Holy Spirit wills, as he wills. You see, once again, Paul makes it clear that it is up to the Holy Spirit which believer receives which gifts and when. And as we continue in our study of the gifts and their proper use, it is so important to remember that simple fact. God wants to use you throughout the day. Just don't wait for an afterglow. No. So since they come into use at various times, how can we bless one another through these gifts? simple answer, by seeking after them so that we might be available when God calls. Father, we thank you for this morning, all that you're doing in our midst. We are so blessed. You love us. Your love is constant and consistent, even though ours fluctuates. Yours never does. And your justice is so right. Even when our justice becomes an injustice, your justice will never be called unjust. For you are right, and we'll be saying that for all of eternity. You know the heart, we don't. And so, Lord, just uh, touch our hearts this morning. Help us to grasp these truths in a deeper way. We don't need another Bible study. Uh, we need a heart transformation. We need to get locked on our goal. Our sights need to get locked on where we're heading, heaven. Doing all of those earthly responsibilities that we need to do, but having our eyes locked. So, Father, I pray for the gift of teaching this morning. Use your word to transform our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 12, for as the body, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. There's only one body of Christ, and Jesus is the head of that body as you read other scriptures. We as individual members receive instructions via the Holy Spirit through the direction of Jesus. Remember Jesus said, I'm going to go to heaven, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, He's going to say what I tell him to say. And as a body, we as individual members of that body are unique. There's a tremendous variety within the human body as well as as Paul is going to share with us. And that's a good thing. So as we seek the use of the gifts in our lives, the Holy Spirit transforms our lives. And once again, the prayer of our Lord Jesus comes to fruition. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I know every Christian in this room, watching over the internet, listening to this on CD, I know that that is all of our desire. Your will be done. But that's not our flesh desire. And so there's that battle that takes place on a regular basis. What are we going to feed, the flesh or the spirit? I have that battle. Don't kid yourself. You have it as well. And so it's through seeking after the gifts, all of the gifts. And whatever God desires to give to us at a certain time, thank him for that. Verses 13 and 14, For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free. So this would include everyone. And have all been made to drink into the one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. So in keeping with the theme of the chapters, and when you read your Bible, if there's a theme, if there's a context of your text, be careful that you don't pull a verse out of that context to make it do something that it shouldn't do. Stay with the theme. So what is the theme of 12, 13 and 14? It's the gifts. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is center-focused. Now, we know Jesus is the center, but in these chapters, the Holy Spirit, Jesus is telling the Holy Spirit to tell Paul, hey, they're using the gifts, but they're misusing them. Show them how to use them properly and start to teach them there's more than just one gift. I don't believe this has to do with water baptism in keeping with the context of the text. But rather, the baptism... Of the Holy Spirit. And again, I know for some of you, you may have never heard of that, or you have heard of that, and when you hear me say that, your radar immediately goes up, heresy, false teaching, he's leading this flock astray. Well, I encourage you to hang in there, because we're gonna do a study specifically on a Sunday morning in a few weeks on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you'll find that I'm not manipulating scriptures. I'm not taking them out of context. I'm not twisting them to meet my motive. Because what motive would I have of you being blessed with more of the Holy Spirit? You're going to benefit, but I will benefit, and so will the rest of the church benefit. So you want to take all of the scriptures, and you might have to do some debugging of the program. I was raised Roman Catholic. and, And I got saved as a Roman Catholic. And I was reading my Roman Catholic Bible. Guys, if you want to reach a Roman Catholic, don't debate about the Pope. Encourage them to read their Bible. Their New Testament is the exact same New Testament that you have in your laps. For all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. It's the exact same New Testament. The Old Testament, the Apocrypha books, okay, don't get hung up on that. Let's get them saved first, you know? Clean a fish after you catch it. And so as I was reading my Catholic Bible... And taking my Catholic Bible with me everywhere I went, I had it in my glove compartment. I had it when I went to school. I had it when I went to work. I had it when I went to church. And everybody's looking at me like, what are you doing? Only the priests can interpret the Bible. No, I I can read the Bible. And again, this is just not bashing Catholicism. You are discouraged from reading your Bible, your Catholic Bible. You're discouraged against that by most of the priesthood. Because if you do, you will come across, there's one meteor between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. So you don't need to pray to Mary. You don't need to pray to any saints. You go directly to God via Jesus and Jesus alone. And I would go to the priest and I would say, hey, I read this in our, our Bible and it contradicts church teaching. What do I do? And then I'd get this dissertation on the church fathers and how God guided them and this, that, and the other thing. But the end of the conversation was, Church teaching supersedes the Bible. Church teaching supersedes the Bible. So after seven years, I said, you know what? I can't take this anymore. I have to leave. And I left the Catholic Church. I debugged the program. As I was reading the Bible, the Holy Spirit was debugging the program. There was contradictions, and it was debugging the program. So you might have to do some debugging of the hard drive, your brain because you've been taught and told and taught and told, instead of just reading it yourself from Genesis to Revelation and seeing how God works. Not that I got this all figured out, as I've said many times, but I truly believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you, again, you'll see, but start doing your studying now. Be a Berean. Just like salvation and water baptism is available for Jew or Gentile, slave or free... Every believer has the same opportunity to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And don't forget, every believer has at least one spiritual gift. One Holy Spirit, but many members. So Paul is now going to expound on the importance of the believer and their gifts through the analogy of the human body. These are what our next verses are going to get into. He's going to take a physical analogy. This is what you can do. This is what rabbis will do. They would take a physical analogy, and then they would apply a spiritual principle. So Paul is going to use this physical analogy. So just get caught up in the physical analogy as we read through this. Verse 15, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? You see, if this morning my feet had said to me, you know what, we're not taking you to church today. We're tired of being in that dark, stuffed inside those stinky shoes. We're just going to take a break. And we're going to air out our little tootsies. What about the head? I mean, what would the head or the brain end up saying? Yeah, right. I don't think so. We're all going to church, and that's the end of it. But the foot is hidden Where the hand is out in the open. Again, remember, he's trying to do a physical analogy, spiritual principle. I think you guys already know where he's going. The gifts, the gifts, the gifts. So the foot puts up a stink and rebels against the body. Because I'm not out in front, I'm not going to participate in the function of this body. And as we start it, you know, it's a ridiculous analogy. But it makes perfect sense when you think of the functions of the church and how the Corinthians were behaving. This is why we have 12, 13, and 14, by the way, because of the behavior of the Corinthians. There were many members within this church body. Now, wouldn't it have been silly if someone said, because I'm not out front, I'm not going to serve at all. That's absolutely ridiculous, but how many people over the the last 2,000 years do not participate in church because no one will see me, or no one will appreciate me, or that's someone else's responsibility? Really? Is that what you're seeing in your Bible? I think if you read it for what it is, that's not in your Bible. Very, very important. Verse 16 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? Question, how many people pay attention to their ears? But the eyes, they're right out there in front. When you greet someone, you typically don't look into their ears. You look into their eyes. How many women try to enhance their ears? Mm. But they will enhance their eyes. I think the latest fad is going for really long eyelashes. Yet is the ear not a valuable part of the body? It absolutely is. It would be very hard to hear without them. The ear, you say? What about the ear? The sound we hear is being played on a perfect little musical instrument inside our ear. The sound waves go down an auditory canal and are carried by the bones of the middle ears to the coke which is rolled up like a tiny seashell. The outer ear operates in air, but the cochlea is filled with liquid. And transferring sound waves from air to liquid is one of the most difficult problems known to science. Three tiny bones Called the osala, uh, Yeah, there you go, ossicles. Thank you. I tried to remember it as popsicles. Ossicles, ossicles are just right to do the job that enables us to hear properly. Just by chance, just by evolution. Three, three tiny bones. Interesting. The size of these little bones does not change. From the time we are born. Just by chance. Just by chance. You see, every part of our body is vital and plays a very important role in daily life. Let's look at just one aspect of the heart. Just one aspect. It's a muscular pump forcing blood through thousands of miles of blood vessels. Thousands, yes, literally which carries food and oxygen to every part of the body the heart pumps an average of 1.5 gallons of blood every minute and in one day pumps enough blood to fill more than 40 50 gallon drums 250 gallon drums also the average heart beats roughly 100,000 times per day. You notice I mentioned blood vessels. These are vessels, may be tiny, but they cover a lot of ground. The smallest blood vessels measure only five micrometers. To give some perspective, a strand of hair measures about 17 micrometers. But if you took all the blood vessels out of an average child and laid them out in one line, the line would stretch over 60,000 miles. And adults would be closer to 100,000 miles long. There are three kinds of blood vessels, arteries, veins, and capillaries. Each of these plays a very specific role in the circulatory system. Arteries carry oxygenated blood away from the heart. They're tough on the outside, but they contain a smooth interior layer of cells that allows blood to flow easily. Arteries also contain a strong muscular middle layer that helps pump blood through the body. Capillaries connect the arteries to veins. The arteries arteries deliver the oxygen rich blood to the capillaries where the actual exchange of blood and carbon dioxide occurs. The capillaries then deliver the waste rich blood to the veins for transport back to the lungs and heart. Veins carry the blood back to the heart. They are similar to arteries, but not as strong or as thick. Unlike arteries, veins contain valves that ensure blood flows in only one direction. This is all just by chance, dude. It's just amazing. Arteries don't require valves because pressure from the heart is so strong that blood is only able to flow in one direction. Valves also help blood travel back to the heart against the force of gravity. Okay, Paul's using the analogy of a body, right? We could go on for hours, days, and even months about the intricacies of the human body. And so the Holy Spirit inspires Paul to use the analogy of the human body, just a few parts, to show us that the intricacies of the body of Christ or the operating of the gifts within the church are so vital. They're not by mistake. They're not by chance. 1 Corinthians twelve seventeen: If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing or an ear, where would be the smelling? Where would be the nose? Paul goes on just talking about the body parts to encourage us to imagine certain body parts and their predominance. Think about it. You turn around to say hello to someone during the meet and greet time and there's one six-foot eyeball (laughs) staring back at you. The iris or the colored portion of the eye would be about three feet in diameter and the pupil in a lighted room like this would be about nine inches in diameter. Just the eye. And this person, I mean this, this eye, never blinks just stares at you all the time Hmm. or how about turning around to meet a great six-foot ear just a big six-foot ear or how about a six-foot nose i mean that'd be a really good vacuum cleaner (laughs) but what is it it's a nose you know all those would be really gross to meet So he goes on to say, But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. God has placed all these various parts together, our human anatomy, to make up an incredible body that functions with tremendous abilities. You see, it was very pleasing to God to see his creation. He formed one man and one woman complementing one another and having them fit together perfectly the psalmist said it best when he was inspired by the holy spirit three thousand years ago king david wrote for i am fearfully and wonderfully made remember paul is still using the analogy of the human body you need the various members of the human anatomy to make up what is termed the human body now as we press on in the verses As you've already caught on, Paul is going to drive home here with this analogy. Each person within the body of Christ is unique. I'm speaking to all of you, but I'm speaking to each one of you. Please hear this. You are unique. Wives, don't elbow your husbands. You are unique, every single one of you. And has the opportunity to be used by God. We limit God. Due to age, due to so many silly reasons, we limit God. By allowing the Holy Spirit to empower them for the work work of the building up of the body of Christ. That's what these verses, chapters are all about, 12, 13, 14. They're not about, look at me, look at me, look at me. They're about, look at God. Look at what God's doing. Look at Jesus. Look what the Holy Spirit just did. It's all about the triunity of the Godhead. That's what the gifts are all about if we would stay focused upon that. Look at verse 21. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. So since there are no single member bodies, an eye, a nose, or an ear, Paul goes on to give us another analogy about the body parts. By having them talk to one another. The eye wouldn't say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor would the head dismiss the foot. They work together for the well-being of the body. It's amazing how my hand works effortlessly in placing certain amount of foods into my mouth. It's amazing. Every single time. I I don't think I've ever driven a fork into my forehead. (laughs) Maybe you have. I've never done that. I missed a little bit here and there, especially when I was in the high chair. But as I got older, I I got it down for the most part. See, it doesn't stop to talk to the elbow or the shoulder. It doesn't hold a rally to get everybody on board. It moves repeatedly until the stomach says stop or until someone else says stop. Verse 22, and my aunts never said stop. Sure, you can eat more. I'm like, no. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Have you ever thought about your pinky toe or your little finger lately? If you're to lose one of those, it would affect your everyday life. You know, It might appear to be a feeble member of your physical body, but as I've said over and over again, we know that every part of the body has a purpose every part verses 23 and 24 and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable on these we bestow greater honor and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty but our presentable parts have no need but God composed the body having given greater honor to that part which lacks it And then there are those parts of the physical body that I would call private parts. We see this in the garden after the fall. Adam and Eve covered themselves. You think that they covered their feet? No. They covered their private parts. And I think most of us have a natural reflex to cover our private parts if something unfortunately should happen. It's just so natural. God designed us that way. My mom, who was a World War II nurse, she always told us kids to have clean underwear on in case of an accident. I I never got that, but if I go to the hospital, I don't think they're going to be wondering about my underwear. But she was emphasizing something. Cover your private parts. But what is Paul's ultimate goal in using this analogy about the human body? Verse 25 tells us that there should be no schism in the body, Schism means a split or gap, a division. Again, think of your body when you're eating lunch and your hand says, put it in your ear. You're not going to put it in your ear. You're going to put it in your mouth. God designed it that way, that there'd be no schism, a split or a gap or a division. You see, since the parts of the human body are designed by God and every member is important, it's obvious that those in the body of Christ are shouldn't be boasting about what gift they have or arguing about what gift they don't have. As you have been taking note of, it's so important that we find out what gift the Holy Spirit has given to us. Each believer in this room has a gift, specifically one gift. And then to use that gift through the power of the Holy Spirit, not your own power, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because God can give you other gifts as well whenever he deems necessary. So important. Verse 26, And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now again, thinking about the human body, I don't know how many of you have ever smacked your thumb with a hammer. Or how many of you have ever cut your finger with a knife. But when I, ever, when I do that, first thing I do is, oh, you idiot. That's why I talk to myself. And then I, my heart just like, ooh, that really hurts. What's hurting, my heart? No, with my finger. I just smashed my thumb. Matter of fact, yeah, I got a mark right there. Somebody asked me, how did you get that? I don't remember, but I know it hurt. <laughs> it hurts. You get that sensation of, wow, this is pain. I don't like this. It really hurts. And depending on how deep it was, Or what happened? You might go through a lot more pain having a surgery, broken bone, whatever it might be, months of recovery, therapy. It can go a long way. I think we're seeing the theme of being available in these verses here. I think we're seeing the theme here. Same with the gifts. When one member of the church suffers and we don't allow the Holy Spirit to minister to that person through our gifts, Now, again, this is not manipulation. This is not condemnation. I'm trying to encourage you with the Bible. You have a gift. If you're not using that gift, just like all of our family members, when our kids were growing up, they had responsibilities. If they didn't do the responsibilities, that caused the rest of the household a little bit of chaos. In your workplace, you all have responsibilities. If somebody doesn't do the responsibility, they might get written up and they might get fired. Or at their yearly review, they might get a zero and they don't get a raise. There are consequences in the natural realm, and we forget that there are consequences in the spiritual realm. And so I'm trying to help you see the bigger picture here of our Christian faith. It's not just about Sunday Punching the clock, coming to church and going home. I fulfilled my religious obligation. If that's what you're doing, you might not be saved. So you better come to know Jesus as your Savior. Or you're saved and you're just really lazy. And that's why you don't like this teaching. All of you have a gift. My role in Ephesians is to teach the body of Christ that they have, might do what? That they might do the work of the ministry ephesians chapter 4 please read ephesians chapter 4 this week the pastor's role is for the building up of the church for the work of the ministry that's my predominant role not to make you feel good and fuzzy and send you home it's maybe to irritate you a little bit and you know that word irritate is in the bible do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as a manner of some but come together provoking one another that word provoking means to irritate so not provoking in a bad way, in a, in a let's have a fight way. No, it irritate you enough to go, you know what? I'm going to study these scriptures because he's got to be wrong. I don't have to serve God. I don't want to serve God. Just prove that to me, please. Show me in the scriptures. I'd love to have that conversation over the scriptures with you. Verse 27, now, here it is, you are the body of Christ and members of individually so Paul brings the physical body analogy to the spiritual principle of the gifts each Bible believing Christian in this room is unique as I've already mentioned and has been given the opportunity to use one or more supernatural spiritual gifts for the edifying of the church but we will often look at each other and pick one another apart causing division or schisms within the church No, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to do a work in our hearts and seek after the supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit individually. You see, when we are doing that corporately, when we're doing that corporately, then there's effective working body which brings about purity and a lovely ministry that takes place. And we have seen that so many times over the years. So many times over the years. So I I thank you and I encourage those of you who are doing it, I encourage the rest of you who are not participating to pray about these things and get involved and get involved verse 28 through 30 and God has appointed these in the church first apostles second prophets third teachers after that miracles and then gifts of healings helps administrations variety of tongues are all apostles so I mentioned this but you might not have been here so here he starts what is called the rhetorical question it means it's a, a question with an obvious answer so as we look at these are all apostles How about we all say it together? Are all apostles, yes or no? No. Okay. Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have the gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? That might have been hard for some of you to say, because you were taught everyone has the gift of tongues, and if you don't have the gift of tongues, you're not saved. That's why you want to read every verse of your Bible. Consistency, consistency, consistency. Lastly, do all interpret. So now that he's made this point about the body of Christ, Paul starts to lay out the structure of the church body. Apostles, those who go out and help establish churches in the area. Uh, I came out of the church uh, called Calvary Chapel, Tri-City. Pastor John Higgins, wonderful man of God. He's still alive, still serving Jesus with all of his heart, going strong. 82 years old. And uh, he was the first Calvary in Arizona, and that's what he would do. He would go around to various, he went down to Tucson, helped start the the Calvary in Tucson. He went to Camp Verde, he went up to Flagstaff, he went to Prescott. He literally did a circuit, like the prophet in the Old Testament, he literally had a circuit that he would do, not circus, circuit, that he would do every single week. And as the church got established, and there were men that were raised up to take on that responsibility of the pastor, the teacher, and then he went back to his home church because he had a home church. So are apostles still alive today? Yes. We don't have the apostolic link like the Roman Catholics teach and like the Mormons teach. No. But there are apostles. They go out and they start churches. Next, there are those who proclaim, I believe this verse is saying, proclaim the word of God, are all prophets. As I've mentioned so many times before, a prophecy was predominantly foretelling. We have prophecy now. Now we go forth telling, forth telling. So I believe that would be preaching the word of God. And those who teach the word of God. So are all teachers. Notice that these first three proclaim that there is a God and then the next one give evidence of that God working corporately as well as individually. The first three proclaim that there is a God. These are people that are out proclaiming, there's a God, there's a God, there's a God, come to know him. Repent, 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 he loves you. Receive Jesus as your savior. And then the next show evidence of God working, corporately as well as individually. The gift of healings, uh, miracles, healings, helps, administrations, and finally tongues. We wrap it up with verse 31. But earnestly desire the best gifts. And yet I show you a more excellent way Remember that this church was seeking after as well as already operating in the gifts. Unfortunately, they were misusing them. So is there the best gift? No. And Paul's going to explain that in chapter 13. And remember, these chapters didn't have breaks and verses numbered. We have that for our convenience So even though he says this, you might think, well, I I thought there was no better gift than one or the other. There's not. Keep reading just as if the the chapter wasn't there. He keeps his thought going on. Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, in 1 Corinthians 13, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. We'll talk more about this next week. Love, because I love my wife and I love In-N-Out Burger. Mm. Which one do I love more? Depends on the day. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind, love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Love is not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely. Love does not seek its own. Love is not provoked. Love thinks no evil. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but love rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Your homework this week, I would encourage you to read that list again and put your name where love is. Put your name where love is. So in verse 4, Jim suffers long and is kind. Jim does not envy. Jim does not parade himself. Jim is not puffed up. Jim does not behave rudely. Jim does not see. It sounds nasty, doesn't it? feel free to put your name in there and see how it sounds and then we'll do an in-depth study on the word love next week and feel free to study ahead you see the Corinthians they were misusing the part about the Holy Spirit using the gift that is necessary to do the work to build up the body of Christ they're misusing it so for us this morning at one moment that might be the gift of mercy maybe you have that gift are you using it? Are you using it or are you sitting on it? At another, it might be the gift of teaching. Not necessarily up here for 40 or 45 minutes, but it might be for 30 seconds or two minutes. might be in the Sunday school. might be with the special needs. might be in junior high or high school. It might be, are you teaching your coworker on break? Not during your work hours. If your coworker says, hey, I'd like to learn more. Are you willing to teach that? Well, you know, just come talk to my pastor. No, don't send them to me. I mean, if you absolutely have to, yes, but what's wrong with you? Well, I don't know my Bible. Why not? Because I haven't been reading it. And that's my problem. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. God wants to use you. With another, it might be a word of wisdom. These are are various gifts. I'm not listing them all, but they're gifts. You see, all of the gifts are important, but often... There's only a moment, think about this, there's only a moment in eternity to use the right one. And God knows. That that's, that's really, as I wrote that down, I thought, wow, that is, that's reality right there, even for me, even for me. All of the gifts are important, but often there's only a moment in eternity to use that right one, whether it's at the store, in the neighborhood, or in the church. God's calling you to do something and your heart starts beating really hard. No, 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 no. Pick somebody else. Okay, I will. And He will. He's going to get it done. Don't miss out on what God wants to do through you. Don't miss out on it because it's exhilarating when it happens. And if you haven't ever felt that in your whole Christian walk, get off your butt and get involved. God wants to use you, not for feeling purposes but to confirm the gifts that you have in your life for his Father's glory. Father, we thank you and praise you for the morning. And Lord, I thank you for a faithful flock. And I know many in this flock do use their gifts, and I thank you and praise you for that. But I know many more might not use their gifts. Obviously, I don't see them. I don't know them. I'm not around them 24-7. So, Lord, as your Holy Spirit ministers to us individually, I pray that they would take this teaching to heart. If it applies to them, not using the gifts, then they would act appropriately. If it doesn't apply to them, then they'd give you thanks and praise for giving them wisdom to use their gifts. As as I've already mentioned, Father, this is not for guilt or condemnation. It's not for any of that nonsense. But it's a very firm encouragement and exhortation to not believe the lies of the enemy, that God doesn't want to use me when God does. Father, stir our hearts this week via the Holy Spirit that we be sensitive to your Holy Spirit, myself included, wherever I might be, wherever we might be, that we'd be available for the kingdom. Whether it's for five seconds, five minutes, five hours, whatever that looks like, if it's it's long, you're gonna gonna free up our schedule. You're gonna give us that ability to have that time because that's the way you operate. So Lord, just give us wisdom. Give us discernment via your Holy Spirit. We don't wanna do any of this in the flesh. That's pointless. We'll fall, we'll fail. But if we just simply surrender throughout the day we'll see your hand in our lives we'll see the moving of the Holy Spirit empowering us and strengthening us and giving us the gifts to do what you'd have us to do you know as the saints are praying maybe you're here this morning and this is all new to you a matter of fact it doesn't make any sense maybe you came out of uh, obligation religious obligation or maybe you came out of a family obligation Uh, Maybe you just came because you wanted to see what's going on in this building because you're brokenhearted and you've been having suicidal thoughts. I want to encourage you God loves you and He sent His Son to die for you. And if you would like to receive Jesus as your Savior, right here, right now, and what that means is you're just going to acknowledge that you're a sinner in need of a Savior that you want to repent of your sins, you want to turn from those sins, you want to turn to God who loves you, and you would like to invite Jesus into your life, that you might spend eternity with God the Father in heaven, not with the deceivers who are in hell. Jesus spoke of hell, yes, there is a hell. And so if you would like to receive Jesus as your Savior, I'm going to pray a simple prayer and the people around you are praying right now, they might not know you, they, they don't know if you know Jesus or not, but they're praying for anyone in this room who might want to receive Jesus, that their ears would be open, their spiritual ears would be open, and they wouldn't belie- believe the lie of the enemy right now, that, oh, you don't need Jesus. This is religion. This is crazy. Don't do it. No, 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 no. God loves you. Send His son to die for you. It's a free gift. If you'd like to pray this prayer, just pray it after me. God, I don't understand, I don't necessarily get it, but I'm going to trust that this feeling that I have right now is what the Bible calls the gift of faith. so God, I'm going to exercise that gift of faith. I'm going to receive it. I'm going to acknowledge that I'm a sinner, which means I need a Savior. I'm going to hell. But I'm going to believe that Jesus died for me, that he rose again, and that he's seated at your right hand, interceding right now. Now, on my behalf. So I accept Jesus. I invite Jesus into my life. I invite your Holy Spirit into my life. Again, I I don't understand what that means. But I trust you're going to show me through your word, through prayer, through mature Christians, You're going to show me. So God, I say thank you for forgiving me and accepting me into your kingdom. And I am now your son. I am now your daughter. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Father, we thank you for this time this morning. Again, Lord, help us to take this teaching to heart. Help us not to beat each other up or beat ourselves up. That's nonsense. That's of the enemy. Help us just to be mature enough to take it for what it is and really evaluate our own hearts and where we're at with you and what could we be doing through your Holy Spirit that you'd have us to do. Thank you for this day. Again, give us wisdom, Lord, with our finances. Again, we pray for the persecuted church. Bless our brothers and sisters in Christ as we see that they're being martyred in India. Father, give them strength as they're being persecuted and their churches are being burned. Give them supernatural strength, even right now. Whatever their time is, Lord, just right now, give them that extra dose of of the Holy Spirit that they would know people are praying for them and caring for them and love them. Father, we just thank you and praise you for this time. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's word. If you have any questions,